You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Joanite Church. Century, the Berlin Codex, published in German translation 
occurs frequently throughout the gospel. Whoever has ears to hear should hear. <clears throat> then uh, at that point in the text, the Blessed One has said these things. He greeted them all, said, Peace be with you, acquire my peace within yourselves. And his final parting word before he leaves, Be in, on your guard so that no one deceives you by saying, Look over here, look over there. For uh, a child of humanity, that's uh, Meyer's translation for the Son of Man, exists within you, follow it, the child of humanity. Those who search for it, they find it. So the, the idea of the true human being is found within. And uh, the final command is, go preach the good news about the kingdom. Don't lay down any rule beyond what I determined for you, or pro promulgate laws like the lawgiver. And after he said these things, he departed from them. So, uh, after the Savior's de departure, uh, all the disciples were distressed and uh, were greatly disturbed. And uh, the question is raised, how are we going to go out to the rest of the world to announce good news about the kingdom? Uh, they said, if they didn't spare him, how will they spare us? This gives us a clue that, of course, uh, Jesus' discussion with them had taken place after the resurrection. We don't know what the context of that discussion was, because, as I said already, the first six pages are, are missing. But here now the disciples are, are uh, wondering what it's going to mean for them to go out and preach Jesus' message. Because if they didn't spare him, uh, they'll uh, certainly face the music themselves. Uh, at that point, uh, Mary stands up. She greets them all and addresses her brothers and sisters. Don't weep and be distressed, nor let your hearts be irresolute. For his grace will be with you all and will shelter you. Rather, we should praise his greatness, for he has prepared us and made us human beings, that is, true humans. When Mary had said these things, she turned their heart toward the good, and they began to debate about the words of the Savior. So they begin a discussion about what Jesus had meant, or the Savior had meant, um, and what it means for them, um, prompted by uh, Mary. Uh, and then Peter makes a mistake. He says to Mary, uh, Sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than all other women. And uh, in the Greek uh, version it says, more than all others. Tell, and this, of course, reminds us of that passage in the Gospel of Philip. Jesus loved uh, Mary more than anybody else. Tell us the words of the Savior that you remember, the things you know that we don't, because we didn't, we haven't heard of them. And then Mary responds, saying, "I will teach you about what is hidden from you." And then she began to speak uh, these words. And uh, first of all, she recounts a vision that she'd seen of the Lord. 
I saw the Lord in a vision, and I said to him, Lord, I saw you today in a vision. And uh, then the Lord answers, Blessed are you for not wavering at seeing me, for where the mind is, there is the treasure. Uh, and then I, Mary, says, So now, Lord, does a person who sees a vision see it with the soul or with the spirit? Uh, and the Savior answers that uh, the person sees it with the mind, which exists between the soul and the spirit. And uh, then goes on to describe what this means, but unfortunately, uh, pages 11 to 12, are, 11 to 14 are missing. At that point in, uh, in the text, uh, no doubt, um, Jesus is revealing to her something about the final ascent of the soul through the heavens. This is a phenomenon that we've uh, talked about before in our discussion. And <clears throat> so uh, when we uh, get to page 15, Mary is in the midst of describing the ascent of the soul. And at every point along the way in, in these various spheres that the soul is going through, uh, the soul encounters various, uh, um, well, uh, various uh, bad things such as desire and, and other uh, sins and, and uh, inclinations that the soul has uh, has um, taken on itself as it descend, as originally descends. So now, when the soul or the mind is ascending again, desire says, I did not see you go down, yet now I see you go up. Why are you lying since you belong to me? And then the soul answers, I saw you, you did not see me, nor did you know me. You mistook the garment I wore for my true self, and you did not recognize me. Uh, so this is what the soul is saying to desire. <clears throat> After it had said these things, it left rejoicing greatly in the soul. So then it comes to the third power, which is called ignorance. Um, and ignorance examines the soul closely saying, Where are you going? You are bound by witness. Indeed, you are bound. Don't judge. And the soul then says, Why do you judge me, since I have not passed judgment? I have been bound, but not bound anything. They did not recognize me, but I have recognized that the universe is to be dissolved, both the things of earth and those of heaven. The soul, having thus, of course, been uh, uh, been instructed uh, in the Gnosis is able to uh, overcome all of these uh, barriers that are along the way. When the soul had brought the third power to naught, it went upward and saw the fourth power, and the fourth power had seven forms. Darkness, ignorance, zeal for death, kingdom of the flesh, foolish wisdom, the wisdom of the wrathful person, these are the seven powers of wrath. And so they take their turns in interrogating the ascending soul. Where are you coming from, human killer? And where are you going, destroyer of realms? Soul replies, 
than saying, what binds me has been slain, what surrounds me has been destroyed, my desire has been brought to an end, and ignorance has died. In a world, I was set loose from a world, in a type, from a type that is above, and from the chain of forgetfulness which exists in time. Uh, from this hour on, and for, for the time of the due season of the age, I will receive rest in silence. And at that point, the soul is presumably uh, on the verge of achieving its uh, goal. But uh, at that point, uh, the discussion breaks off. Mary has uh, revealed all these things to the disciples, and uh, at one point she uh, begins to uh, be quiet. Since it was up to this point that the Savior had spoken to her, all of this, of course, uh, she's recounting to the disciples according to a vision that she had seen of the Savior and revelations that he had given to her. So now there is a dispute amongst the disciples. Andrew says, addressing the brothers and the sisters, uh, well, the text says brethren, Say what you will about these things she has said, but I don't believe that the Savior has said these things. These teachings are very strange ideas. So says Andrew. Peter then also responds, bringing up similar concerns. He questioned them about the Savior. Did he speak with a woman in private without our knowing about it? Are we to turn around and listen to her? Did he choose her over us? So Mary <coughs> breaks into tears and says to Peter, My brother Peter, what are you imagining? You think I thought this up by myself? That I'm telling lies about the Savior? Levi answers then, speaking to Peter, Peter, you've always been a hothead. <laughs> now I see you contending against the woman like the adversaries. But if the Savior made her worthy, who are you then to reject her? Assuredly, the Savior's knowledge of her is completely reliable. That is why he loved her more than us. See, this is the re refrain that we saw in the Gospel of Philip. Rather, we should be ashamed. We should clothe ourselves with the perfect human. Acquire it for ourselves as he commanded us, and announce the good news, not laying down any other rule or law that differs from what the Savior said. And this recounts, of course, what has been uh, indicated earlier in the Savior's final a farewell address. And then the text uh, ends at that point. After he, namely Levi, had said these things, they started going out to teach and to preach. What's interesting here is the question who they is. Now, if you look at the the way the Greek Gospel of Mary ends, the 
papyrus Oxymachus 3525. Uh, here's uh, Levi, Levi's final uh, saying to Peter, Peter, you're always ready to give way to your perpetual inclination to wrath. And even now you're doing exactly that by questioning the woman as though you're her adversary. If the Savior considered her to be worthy, who are you to disregard her? For he knew her completely and loved her steadfastly. Rather, we should be ashamed, and once we have clothed ourselves with perfect human, we should do what we were commanded. We should announce the good news, as the Savior said, and not be laying down any rules or making laws. And then the text uh, ends with this. After he had said these things, Levi left and began to announce the good news. And then at just uh, at the very end, the Gospel according to Mary, the title. So that's the way the Gospel of Mary ends. Now, this brings me back to the they in the Coptic version. After Levi had said these things, they started going out to teach and to preach. In view of the fact that Levi is in dispute with the other disciples about Mary, one wonders, um, uh, if the they includes all of the disciples, or might it include just himself and Mary? So I would suggest the possibility that they here is not of all the disciples, but Levi and Mary. So uh, both of those go out to preach uh, the risen Christ's message. Uh, What's interesting is that uh, a number of these Gnostic texts uh, featuring uh, discussion between Jesus and his disciples often uh, favor one disciple over another. Peter often is one of the leaders, but there are Thomas and Philip and others. And in this case, of course, we've got Mary uh, fulfilling that chief role amongst the disciples. Um, the positive role played by Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of John has already been indicated. And, uh, and we've also, in our earlier discussion, noticed how uh, uh, several later uh, texts uh, delineate Mary as an apostle to the apostles. Now, the delineation of Mary as an apostolic leader in early Christianity is seen uh, most completely in the Gospel of Mary. And here's what Jane Shabird uh, says about a nine-point profile of Mary that can be gleaned from various texts featuring uh, Mary Magdalene. Mary, first, Mary is prominent among the followers of Jesus. She exists as a character, as a memory. This is the second point. She exists as a character, as a memory in the textual world of androcentric language and patriarchy, patriarchal ideology. Third, she speaks boldly. Fourth, she plays a leadership role vis-a-vis -vis the male disciples. Fifth, she is a visionary. Sixth, she is praised for her superior understanding. 
Seven, she is identified as the intimate companion of Jesus. Eight, she is opposed by or in open conflict with one or more of the male disciples. Uh, nine, she is defended. Now, while many of these nine points are found in other non-canonical texts featuring Mary, all nine of these are prominent in the Gospel of Mary. So, we conclude from this that that particular text, the Gospel of Mary, clearly reflects controversies that existed in second century Christianity, uh, relating specifically to the leadership role of women uh, in the church. Uh, the implication here would also be that in some sectors of early Christianity, women played a more positive role than uh, was the case in the later uh, Christian communities. So, uh, this essentially is what the Gospel of Mary presents us. And uh, uh, so, the question here uh, posed by the Gospel of Mary uh, is uh, precisely Mary Magdalene's role in the history of Christianity. And uh, in a sense, we could uh, perhaps uh, indicate here from these ancient sources that the uh, Christian followers of Jesus in our own day might want to look back on these earlier times and engage in discussions that occupied the earlier church uh, with newer answers, perhaps with instruction from uh, members of that earlier community. In other words, uh, uh, I'm not a patriarchalist in my um, interpretation of the role of women uh, in leadership in the church or churches. Now, I suppose you have uh, some comments about this. I think it's good. I think, you know, I think anything that uh, paves the way for a re-examination, I mean, certainly, you know, we can't necessarily read back, you know, our present-day views into the, you know, into, into the second century, but I think, uh, um, you know, whether mainstream Christianity... Um, you know, uh, considers Gnostic Gospels as a, as a backdrop worthy of, you know, uh, examination to the light of the people at the mm -hmm. time and how that affects the other uh, writings or whether or not they, you know, take it as Gospel, uh, um, so to speak, is kind of secondary. I think that, um, yeah, I think there are definitely questions worth asking. I mean, mm -hmm. how, how is it that, you know, after 2,000 years that we haven't resolved some of these things? <laughs> You know, how far ahead are we really? Well, um, of course, uh, I'm not at all indicating what we should do is create a new canon of scripture, but uh, I mean, scripture already has, uh, particularly the Gospel of John, it's, uh, it's clear enough on somebody's point. But uh, on the other hand, we can be instructed from uh, these other texts. Uh, as to possibilities for our own Christian existence in this uh, time and place. 
How we see uh, texts like this with this uh, ascent of the soul to the sphere of spheres kind of thing as a continuation of uh, the Egyptian Book of the Dead traditions where the soul has to go and be tested at, at each uh, succeeding step. And then, of course, the contemporary and the later Hermetic texts that deal with the same or similar issues. Um, so I, I think this gives us a real insight into what kind of the spiritual and ritual life of these people would have been that these um, these processes would, would be something either to be memorized or mm-hmm. some rituals to be enacted while you were alive so that after you're, you passed away your soul would be ready for these tests that would come you know on the ascent of the soul there's a fuller description of that in the uh, first Revelation, the first Apocalypse of James, uh, also a Nahumanic text. And uh, in that text, Jesus reveals to James, James how he will be delivered from his own sufferings, but of course he won't be able to escape his martyrdom. Uh, and uh, there is a point at which uh, uh, Jesus gives instruction to James uh, that has to do with the ascent of the soul. Look, I shall reveal to you your deliverance. When you are arrested and you face these sufferings, a multitude of people will arm themselves against you in order to seize you. Three in particular will lay hold of you, those who sit as toll collectors. Uh, and toll collectors is a name also found in other Gnostic texts for those uh, and in fact, in the Jewish apocalyptic texts as well, uh, that for those who sit at the various spheres waiting for the soul to come, and the, and the soul has to pay toll in order to uh, uh, be able to go on to the next level. If you fall into their hands, the one who is their guard will say to you, Who are you, and where are you from? And uh, now the instruction is given to James what to say when the first pole collector approaches him with this question. You are to say to him, I am a son and I am from the Father. He will say, what kind of son are you and to what father do you belong? You are to say to him, I am from the pre-existent father and I am a son and the pre-existent one. He will say to you, with what mandate have you come? You are to say to him, I have come at the behest of the pre-existent one, that I may see those who are ours and those who have become aliens. He will say to you, of what kind are these aliens? You are to say to him, they are not entirely alien, but they are from Achamot, who is female. Now Achamot is the name given to the lower uh, Sophia in uh, some Gnostic texts, including Valentinian ones. Uh, she produced them when she brought this generation down from a pre-existent one. So they are not aliens, they are ours. They are ours because she who rules over them comes from the pre-existent one. Yet they are aliens because the pre-existent one did not have intercourse with her when she was about to produce them. When he says to you again, where will you go? You were to say to him, I will return to the place uh, whence I have come. If you say these things, you will avoid their attacks. So, uh, 
So James is given instruction as to what to say when his soul reaches that level of his ascent. And then as the ascent proceeds, if you fall into the hands of the three detainers who carry off souls by theft in that place, you are to say to them, I am a vessel that is more precious than the female who, and then there's a Una in the text, that is your mother. As long as she is ignorant of her mood, you will also not become sober again. But I shall call upon imperishable knowledge, who is Sophia, who is in the father and is the mother of Akhamot. So the, here, of course, Sophia is several levels. I mean, there's the higher Sophia has been uh, restored to the Pleroma. Uh, Akhamot, who still persists in the lower uh, regions. Akhamot had no father or male companion, but she is a female from a female. She created you by herself without a male, since she was ignorant of those who attained her mother, and thought she thought she alone existed. I shall cry up to her mother. Um, so, the uh, point here is that uh, James uh, knows a Sophia who is higher than Akhamot, who is responsible in some way for this, this lower, lower um, world of uh, chaos and cosmos. Uh, then uh, the text goes on with other uh, things for, for further uh, points of ascent. Uh, prototypes of the twelve disciples and the seventy-two companions are encountered at one point. Uh, and uh, and then finally, uh, at the conclusion, James has said that he's supposed to reveal all these things to Abdi. Um, Abdi is uh, part of the um, Syrian tradition as to an, uh, an apostle was sent out by Thomas to uh, preach the gospel to the Syrian church. So one can situate this particular text in Syrian milieu. In any case, um, another thing to say about this particular version of the Ascent of the Soul is uh, there are some points of comparison between what the soul says, um, making the claim, I am the son of the pre-existent father, and so forth and so forth. Um, I know where I come from and where I'm going. Um, all of this uh, is recounted as part of a a ritual for the dead, a ritual in preparation for death, that is uh, described by uh, Irenaeus in, uh, in the 21st uh, chapter of uh, Book 1. Um, and he attributes this particular ritual uh, to uh, a branch of the Valentinians called Marcosians. But I suspect that that particular ritual uh, was more widespread than simply amongst the Marcosians. In any case, it seems to be reflected here in this particular text in the uh, uh, or the uh, Apocalypse of James. Um, so, and of course, the same kind of thing we saw in the Gospel of Mary.
Thank you very much. Thank you.